in the middle of an outbreak, we are relying desperately on China uh, for personal protective equipment and more uh, when China has so much responsibility for uh, the lack of uh, early detection and warning and action here uh, between censoring social media, twisting arms for uh, statements of confession, uh, pushing out talking points that the World Health Organization was adopting and not letting the world know about the human-to-human transmission. You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army. Welcome to the Secure America Now Code Red podcast. I am Alan Roth, president of Secure America Now. Today, we are privileged to have as our guest, Congressman Lee Zeldin. Congressman Zeldin represents Suffolk County in New York State and is the Lieutenant Colonel in the United States Army Reserve. Even before the Wuhan virus existed, Lee Zeldin knew that Communist China was a threat to the United States. In 2019, he blew the whistle on Communist China using the social media platform TikTok to gather personal data. Now he is working to end our dependency on Communist China for medications and other items. Congressman Zeldin, why is today's China a threat to the United States? And what should we be doing about it? Well, we're certainly living it uh, with regards to the pandemic as the rest of the world is as well. Uh, Financially, we've seen a toll, um, obviously, from the the public health standpoint. uh, We've experienced quite the toll. Uh, But this is uh, a a challenge that uh, long preceded the outbreak of coronavirus. Uh, and as you pointed out, the discussion um, in months and years past uh, with regards to protecting uh, the, um, the, the personal identifying information for individuals, uh, for corporations, cybersecurity, uh, technological, uh, technological theft, uh, IP patent infringement, that list goes on. Uh, there is the the regional concerns uh, in and around China, uh, where uh, China has um, taken offensive posture that harms uh, shipping, fishing, har- harvesting routes, and uh, smaller economies uh, in that region around China uh, have really been put back onto their heels because of China's aggressive activities. Uh, So trade and other forms of economic activity, uh, again, can be identified for months and years preceding the outbreak of coronavirus. Uh, So that widespread concerns, uh, we're just beginning to scratch the surface there. uh, And that's without even getting into the Belt and Road Initiative and the consequences for the international community on that front. Are you concerned um, and is action being contemplated or being taken over the manufacture of medical medicines in communist China that Americans take? 
100 percent. We need to ensure that going forward, we are more prepared for future pandemics uh, far better than any pandemic in the past. And that means that between national stockpiles, state stockpiles and emergency domestic manufacturing plan, uh, we should never have to be relying on a foreign country like China for ventilators or personal protective equipment and to the maximum extent possible medicines as well. Uh, we have learned our lesson the hard way and the, the irony that uh, we were uh, confronting in that in the middle of an outbreak, we are relying desperately on China uh, for personal protective equipment and more uh, when China has so much responsibility for uh, the lack of uh, early detection and warning and action here uh, between censoring social media, twisting arms for uh, statements of confession, uh, pushing out talking points that the World Health Organization was adopting and not letting the world know about the human-to-human -human transmission. You look at those December, January months and the time that was lost and opportunity lost, uh, and, and then as we're dealing with the consequence, uh, here we are relying on China for what we need to respond to it. Uh, so, yeah, we need, to, we need to have action to ensure that that absolutely never happens again. You just made reference to the World Health Organization. President Trump has suspended funding of the World Health Organization. Do you support that action? And if you do, why? Well, listen, the, um, the, the leadership of the World Health Organization needs to be replaced. They need to be more transparent. They have been beholden to uh, communist talking points that uh, contributed to us losing the early detection. Uh, the World Health Organization uh, is an idea that uh, if they were operating correctly and serving a, a much more productive purpose as, uh, as intended, then the World Health Organization would have been an absolutely critical component to stopping this pandemic at its source. The, the idea of, of having a body that uh, is going to, in the months of December and January, um, be aggressive in telling China that you, you can't be twisting arms of, of whistleblowers like you were and censoring social media and denying the public in China and abroad information about human-to-human -human, uh, transmission and ways that you can protect your family and protect communities. Uh, so the, the, uh, th this moment in time is one where the World Health Organization uh, is going to have to totally change its ways uh, and and publicly be acknowledging that they've identified their lessons and that we shouldn't expect things to be the same when the next outbreak hits. Uh, if they want to rely on tax dollars, not from just from the United States, but from other uh, countries as well, the status quo just isn't going to work. And if the World Health Organization is going to keep its current leadership, 
if they're not going to acknowledge all the different lessons that should have been learned, uh, and they're going to either deny it or ignore it, uh, and we have an expectation that the next time that something like this uh, is to happen, that the World Health Organization is going to be covering for it once again, then why would we be dedicating all of these funds towards it? So it's uh, it's an important message uh, that over the course of the, uh, the the weeks and months and years ahead, uh, the World Health Organization is going to need to get to the po- get the point uh, if they're going to get the support. You are one of Congress's leading experts on foreign affairs and military matters. And are you concerned from a military perspective of the role that China seems to want to play by expanding into the Asian uh, sphere in an even greater way than they are now? Do you think that there are threats to the United States of America? Well, absolutely, and you you see it from uh, the the cyber standpoint, the desire to protect information, to protect infrastructure, the uh, race towards 5G, and uh, an ability for uh, China to uh, be providing equipment to that country looking to convert to 5G, and then having access to all phone calls and text messages and emails, uh, that all uh, has to do with national security, has to do with uh, economic security as well. Uh, and, you know, that that's an important decision that these other countries need to make. Uh, they might be short on funds, um, and China comes in offering to pay, but nothing is actually free. when When we're talking about uh, Huawei and uh, their moves into these foreign countries uh, to give up uh, the ability for for residents to have their personal information protected uh, is hugely consequential. And and also when you're dealing with uh, discussions and debate uh, as it relates to proliferation and uh, the future of uh, of nuclear development uh, for non-humanitarian purposes. Uh, We've seen it play out with North Korea over the course of many, many, many years, including over the course of the past few, where if you come up with a plan A, a plan D, or plan K of uh, how to deal with North Korea, uh, every single good idea that you come up with is probably going to include China to some extent. Uh, so their activities from a, a national security standpoint shouldn't be looked at as uh, the United States and China. It's about China's influence uh, around the world. It's growing influence around its around the world and the need for leadership. Uh, there are people who uh, believe that the United States should not be concerned about any other country anywhere else in the world. Uh, but we have, what, the one thing you have to be sensitive to with uh, that position is that you're coming in with a naive assumption that vacuums are going to be filled by good guys. They're not going to be filled by aggressors. A, a vacuum in the Middle East isn't going to be filled by ISIS, Al-Qaeda, or Iran. 
uh, you know, a vacuum in uh, in Asia isn't going to be filled up with uh, with Chinese uh, uh, Communist Party aggression and the consequences of what that means for U.S. national security. So we need to uh, be looking at at China from a national security standpoint beyond just looking at it as the United States and China. It's much more than that. In addition to national security, uh, China has taken some very aggressive actions against the democratic movement in Hong Kong. And while the people who are listening to this podcast overwhelmingly don't think that we should fight other people's battles, do you think that we should use non-military um resources to uh, protest against China's move in Hong Kong where they've arrested thousands of people and passed all sorts of laws to stop uh, the independence within Hong Kong? Yeah, absolutely. We have multiple instruments of national power and military is uh, just one of them. And we have uh, and the principle is called DIME, Diplomacy, Information, Military, Economics. Uh, there are other instruments of national power here in the United States that provide tools uh, that assist uh, foreign uh, movements and uh, foreign individuals, foreign countries, uh, in being able to achieve positive, productive, healthy results uh, for themselves, for the region, for, uh, for the world. And, and and China playing the role of of bully, uh, or Russia playing the role of bully, or Iran playing that role in the Middle East, uh, we have to understand that the, that we have uh, other nations around the world uh, that don't respect weakness; they only respect strength. And strength doesn't mean the military option. The military option is the last possible option that we ever want to have to use. Um, but we can't just assume a position of, of weakness when confronting the largest threats uh, that we face around the world. And in the one specific example, as you give, um, we have other instruments of national power that can come in uh, handy to be able to serve a very positive role. You recently spent a weekend at Camp David with some of your colleagues and President Trump. And the main issue, as we record, is the pandemic. Uh, can you give us some insights as to the president's mindset and the mindset of your colleagues who were with you at Camp David as to what the future is or should be um, that in addressing the pandemic coronavirus? Well, the, the president has been extremely focused on coronavirus response. Uh, he uh, took a lot of heat for his travel restriction from late January. And Joe Biden was calling him xenophobic. Uh, he was being uh, the president was being accused of uh, being a racist for uh, instituting that, that travel restriction. There were many of his own advisors 
who were advising him not to do that. Uh, his focus uh, remains uh, primarily on coronavirus response. Coronavirus response uh, in the uh, the earlier months, earlier this year, would be different than what coronavirus response looks right now, uh, as that curve has been flattened and now uh, states are starting to reopen. Uh, the, part of the focus is on public health and pursuing a vaccine and uh, pursuing cures. Uh, that treatment is uh, a focus for sure. And so is opening up the economy smartly in a way that prevents uh, another outbreak. Uh, so that the president's focus uh, last weekend, as it uh, has been over the course of uh, several months now, uh, has been a focus on the, the many aspects of coronavirus response to uh, ensure that uh, we are confronting that we are confronting this pandemic uh, and that we are able to get to a position where life can get as close to normal as quickly as possible at this point. The weather's warming. Uh, people want to enjoy their summers and, and businesses want to stay in business. Along with being a solid conservative, uh, you are also have a record of being one of the congressmen who actually looks for and actually does bipartisan work with your Democratic colleagues across the aisle. And in the, unfortunately, I think, um, you may disagree, but I think that in the response to the pandemic, there has been an unfortunate politicalization of the issues and uh, the bipartisanship is not what it should be. But in terms of China, do you think that is one of the opportunities that confronting China and doing the right thing vis-a-vis -vis China as being one of those issues where there is bipartisan support within the Congress? It should be. Uh, it should be a, a softball for bipartisanship. It should be uh, an obvious, uh, easy source of bipartisanship. But here's the problem, is that, the, that, that there are people who, who hate President Trump so much, they're so desperate to take him out this November, they are concerned that anything at all uh, that is not about blaming uh, President Trump, uh, and th that they just say, they, they immediately instinctively come to the conclusion uh, that it's uh, being used as, solely as a deflection so that uh, you don't talk about blaming Donald Trump. It's bizarre uh, just how far off the reservation uh, some of my colleagues have gotten on this particular issue because it should be an easy softball way for Republicans and Democrats in Congress to, to work together. Uh, earlier on uh, here uh, in our discussion, we were talking about the months of December and January and, and some of the highlights, just some of the highlights of what China did wrong. Uh, and we all should be acknowledging that a key to fighting a pandemic 
uh, is early detection. That's the way to prevent a, an epidemic, to, pre to prevent a pandemic. And it was lost here because of China. But people in Congress are concerned that if we dedicate bandwidth towards talking about that, that that will take away from their effort to take down the president of the United States. And because of that, they don't want to work together with their Republican colleagues. They don't want to work together uh, with the president. There are many sources of bipartisanship right now. There are many examples that I can, that I can think of today. But unfortunately, on the China issue, uh, because of that desire to take out the president in November, uh, they're not treating it as uh, a layup to work with Republican colleagues. Uh, instead, they're they're resisting it, and that's the wrong answer. Uh, Congressman Zeldin, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to share with us your thoughts on these extremely important matters, and uh, for the very positive representation that you do not only for your constituents in Suffolk County, New York, but also for all America. And I thank you very much, and uh, God bless you. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you again. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Code Red Podcast. Be sure to click subscribe to stay up to date and be the first to hear about our future podcast. You can also find and subscribe to the Code Red Podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube. Thank you.